0: The search for the right answers in an answer-filled world can be both difficult and destructive if you come up with the wrong answers. Just how does one know if what they believe is correct? It is deeper than just what is correct for you. Who has the final say? Who is correct? Join us at Jackson First Baptist Church as we find God's answers for the mess in the world. Romans chapter 13 is in our Bible today. Uh, If you've not been offended yet, you probably will be in a few minutes. I hope that I'm not intending to do that, but if you believe the Word of God, you know that we come to Romans 13, that, that it is a passage of Scripture. It's when, as I've entitled the message today, when two worlds collide. You know when two bulls get in the stall and they're on the different, different sides, what are they going to do? They're going to collide. And so today, there may be the case. I asked the Lord this morning, a long while before daylight, as I got up, I said, Lord, in my prayer time, this was my prayer, God, what is your will for this day? What is your will for this day? And as sure as I'm standing here today, I believe the Lord spoke into my spirit. and I wrote it down and said this. I'm looking for a people today who will let me transform them into an authentic witness that can be a tool in my hand that will change the world. Man, what a statement from God this morning. I've written in your notes for you two statements that I want to begin with that go right along with this. The first one is this. The life of transformation is not limited to certain certain areas of a person's life. Is that true? When God comes into a person's life and changes that person, God does not intend for us to be like this, to pick and choose. We don't just offer God part of our lives and say, God, I want you to change this. I mean, anybody would give God a a game leg, right, and say, God, heal the leg. Uh, anybody would give if you had a headache, you'd say, God, please, if it would work, you'd give them that. But if there's some other things in our lives that maybe that we keep. And Paul has been in the book of Romans for us, helping us to understand Romans 12, 1 and 2. When God transforms your life, he doesn't want just part of your life. He wants all of your life, which leads me to this second statement. When Christ becomes Lord, he becomes Lord, now watch this, of your what? Of your world. So so I, I want to ask today. I want to ask, is he Lord of your world? I believe some of you would say yes today with all your heart that you are. So let, let me stay with the apostle Paul for a moment and walk you through some things that when you come to know Christ, first of all, write this down. The gospel for you is the power of salvation. Amen. Now think about this for a moment. Romans 1 Paul said, I'm not ashamed of what? Of this gospel which is the power of God that saved me. Think with me for a moment as we studied Paul for all these months what we've been saved from. We've been saved from the way we were headed toward the wrath of God. You and I have been saved today by the way that we were living. And also this, I love this, we've been saved from the way that we used to think. Romans 1 and 21 says that they were futile in their thinking without God, but then God came in. And so today, if you prayed a prayer and you didn't change the way you're thinking, the way you're living, and if you're not changed the way you're headed, you probably haven't had a two-world collision, you may still be without the Lord. We've said together there's not only the power of salvation. Paul has told us the power of surrender. When you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and you say, God, here is all of my life, Here's all of my resources. Here's all of my future before you. See, we're not only saved from something. I wrote this down. We're saved for something. That's pretty cool that God saves you for something. You sell yourself out to God. Say, God, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. I'm going to be molded by the way that you want me to be molded. Now, some of you look at me like I'm just not getting this. I'm not really into this yet. Well, think about this. Back in May, when we did the series together, Hypothetical Faith, remember that? God is not into hypothetical faith but authentic faith. When we got to Genesis 15 and, and when that moment where the, that the Bible records how that Abraham believed God for salvation, I said this, that when you come to Christ, most of us have uh, our viewpoints of life already set. Isn't that true? But when you come to Christ, you already have a worldview in line. And so when you come to know Christ, part of what your life is, is that now God says, not a replacement theology. I'm not just replacing here, thing, or there. It is the fact that you give yourself totally over to God. And you begin to have, I want you to hear this, a biblical worldview. So you say, okay, preacher, I'm willing to try it. Well, you're not done yet. Because the God who saves us and says, surrender, there thirdly, write this down, there is the power of the Spirit. You can't do these things apart from the Spirit of God. Well, here's the deal. We now naturally flow into chapter 13. Some would say it stands alone, but what Paul's doing, he said, You're saved, you're surrendering, you're allowing the Word of God to work in you. And so here we go in chapter 13. If you're there, say amen. Verse number one, I'm going to begin. I'm going to read this text from the Christian Standard Version of the Bible as you read yours. Here's what it says Every person should place themselves. Under the authority of the government. There isn't any authority unless it comes from God. And the authorities that are there have been put in place by God. So anyone who opposes the authority that that is standing against what God has established. People who take this kind of stand will get punished. The authorities don't frighten people who are doing the right thing. Rather, they frighten people who are doing wrong. Would you rather not be afraid of authority? Do what's right. And you'll receive its approval. It is God's servant. Now listen, it's given for your benefit. But if you do what's wrong, be afraid. Because it doesn't have weapons to enforce the law for nothing. It is God's servant put in place to carry out His punishment on those who do what is wrong. This is why it is necessary to place yourself under the government's authority, not only to avoid God's punishment, but also for the sake of your conscience. You should also pay taxes for the same reason. Didn't get an amen there. Because the authorities, as God's assistants, concerning this very thing, so pay everyone whom you owe them. I can hear a business owner saying, amen. Pay the taxes you owe. Pay the duties you are charged. Give respect to those you should. Respect and honor those you should honor. What amazing truth. For a world today that is so disunified when it comes to these very things that we're talking about. You see, one of the things I want to tell you today is this, if you get nothing else, is this, that we live in a world... Now, look as it comes on the screen for you. This is what Robbie Galdes said. We live in a deeply divided country, and we're desperate for a united church. I have now, for almost 30 years, pastored churches where I've had Democrats, and I've had Republicans, and Independents, and everybody else in church. I've pastored for almost 30 years. I I have some kind of so-called pastor friends who when President Barack Obama became president, they said he was a black Democrat, no way I'd be for him. I have so-called friends who hate Donald Trump because they label him as a white supremacist bigot. And many of them, I see them on either side. You're like, y'all ain't going to buy a thing today. You're not going to sign up for anything. I could just tell this as well. But what I want to do today is walk you through the reality that I had to have a change in my heart. I had to come to understand what the Bible says, and I believe I'm talking to some folks today that you, listen to this, you have a a spiritual worldview, and then you have a political worldview, and God says those worlds are going to have to collide. Now, from what we just read from Paul, I believe this, I can say this with all my heart. If we reject anything that Paul says, we will be part of the problem instead of part of the solution. There are three things I would teach you today from the Scripture. One is this, God demands our loyalty. Listen to this. God demands our loyalty to everything He speaks to. Isn't it true? If it's in the Bible, Larry, not we—if it's in the Bible—that I have no, I can say, well, I'll take it or I will leave it. You can do that, but listen, it's still God's word. And so to tell you that we we have a responsibility to be loyal to. It. Secondly, God decides who holds political office. Hmm. Say, so now wait a minute, preacher. We decide. Well, we'll get into that in a moment. But Paul's. Said here that God decides. And number three, God has specific guidelines for our role in society. God says, here's how I want you. God has specific guidelines for our role in society, including, here it is, government. I always say it like this. If God's silent on something, I need to be silent. If God speaks to it, I speak to it. Now, there is a percentage of you who could care less about all of this. I understand that. You could care less, and you could say, I don't want to even focus on those kind of things. I Just just let me alone, let me over my corner. Can I tell you, you're missing the boat. I'm going to give you just really quickly, there, there are 10 questions that flow. You're like, dear Lord, how in the world? 10 questions in 20 minutes. That means I can only hit a few of them. Number one is this, what must be the Christian's, as it comes on the screen, what must be the Christian's viewpoint concerning government's authority? Now, you say, what does that mean? Somewhere you might want to write this down obey the law set by the government i haven't got an amen yet i got one shaking yes head why do you say that preacher because the scripture says let every person chapter 13 verse 1 the king james verses on every soul that means not only just christians but everybody obey the governing authorities. now some of you would say this well there's only one good type of government or did you get that i want you to hear this You cannot say that Scripture says that the American way is the biblical way. Now, I'm an American because God blessed me to be born in America, and I like this system, but just know this. When Paul wrote this, there was Caesar who was on the throne. And he was not saying rebel against Caesar. He was not saying that that you were to destroy Caesar. He says that you should obey. You see, Scripture never, ever dictates which is the best type of government. The only time that we are to push back is when the authority goes against the direct authority of God. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 39, question number two. I may get an amen for it's over. Number two, should the church be involved in government? The answer is yes. You see, hear me? Daniel, you ever heard the name Daniel? Hezekiah? Have you ever seen the New Testament, the many people? I want to tell you that I'm doing my best in this church to raise up these young men and women, and I hope that many of them hold political office. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll say it for you, amen, ought to be leading in this world that we live in. Question number three, do we have the right to choose who governs us? So now, preacher, I vote every time that we vote, and and so do I. That's how, by the way, ended up on the jury duty several times, amen? So we we do this, and so, so, but listen to this, when Paul says in verse one, there's no authority except from God, He's leading us somewhere. And those that exist, King James Version, ordained, those that are destined or determined, have been instituted by God. You can't get around this. It is God who chooses who's in authority. Now, watch this. But you say, but preacher, I thought we're supposed to vote. I believe with all the of heart we should, because men and women have died for that. We go to the polls to vote, and we vote, hopefully, our conscience. One of the greatest sad things of our world today is, as one preacher said this, churches have political theology instead of biblical theology. We go and vote politically instead of going and voting theologically. What happens is this. If we are, as Christians, to choose a candidate who is closest to the Word of God. But in a condition where that, that doesn't exist, I don't know if that's ever happened in our world, you end up doing this, trying to make a decision to choose the less of two evils. So here we are as Christians and like, what do we do? And some of you get online, you fight for this side, or get mad about that. You're so upset. And and, and you listen to me, you're fighting for somebody who cares less about your faith. No amens again. And what you're doing is this, you are removing your right to be a witness to somebody who doesn't understand. You say, wait a minute, preacher, should we not stand for who we believe in? Absolutely you should stand for who you believe in. But stand knowing the facts from the Bible. Ultimately, it is God who decides. If you read the Old Testament, God said that that when Samuel went before him and said, God, I don't want this, but, but the nation of Israel, they want a king to be like the other nations. God said, I'll give you one. And he'll send all your sons into war and destroy them and you'll regret the day. And I want to tell you this, that God sets leaders in place sometimes to give us what we want to show us that's not what we needed. And by the way, you're foolish if you think it just started in this election. It has been for many generations in America. Uh, number four question What is the purpose of government? Watch what the purpose of government is. Verse three For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but the bad. Government exists for at least three purposes. They exist for the purpose of protecting their citizens from evil. Do you know this? That it is not the government's job to legislate morality. It cannot. Adrian Rogers said it is, it is the church that has the responsibility to have the conscience of, listen to me, that has the conscience of our city. I want to give you an example. When we were voting whether or not that liquor by drink should be on Sunday in this city, there are 6,500 people in the city. Do you know how many people voted in that election? Less than 500. 500 people decided in the city of Jackson that we should have liquor by the drink. You say, but but wait a minute now, the government is to protect us. Yes, they are. The role of government is to protect bad conduct. So that's why I tell you this, that that we as Americans, we have the right to peaceful demonstrations, but it is the government's responsibility to protect it when it's no longer peaceful. Last night, uh, uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee played football, and Ole Miss... And for the first time in Tennessee's history, they were throwing golf balls and everything else out of the stands, hitting the coach of of Ole Miss. Where do you think that came from? I want to tell you where it came from, from government, that we have voted in and out of office for the meanness of the spirit of our nation. We've lost our conscience. The role of government is to protect us, and that's why I believe in capital punishment. Sometimes we have to have capital punishment to protect everyone else. Pastor Chris told the story, true story, about a man who who changed his sex. He was in prison, and he said, I now identify as a woman. Now listen to this. The judge put him over in a woman's prison, and he raped four women and killed them. That is the system, by the way, that you and I said that's the right way to be. Listen to me. We as the church have to awaken to say, again, what the role of the government. Governments exist also for promoting orderly life. Their job is for this. For instance, we are policemen. We should love them and respect them. Their job is to protect us. You know, there is a percentage of them that are scoundrels. But do you know the latest statistics show this, that there are more scoundrels in the pulpit in America than there are policemen on the streets? There are more deacons that are scoundrels in the world than there are policemen and policewomen. But we, for some reason, get ourselves all out of shape and forget the fact that government is ordained by God. And the Christian, wake up, there will be government until Jesus comes. And so there's something that we need to do. Government exists for the purpose of promoting orderly life. And government also exists to carry out discipline and judgment, and even upon the church. The New Testament church has always grown when the church was persecuted. And so if we find ourselves in that position of persecution, understand that God, we are to be loyal to what He says, and God has ordained government, and they have a responsibility. Number five, what is our role in government? Our role is to do good. We are to be people who do good, and in the midst of that good in verse five, we are to be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but for the sake of conscience. In the sake of our conscience, we do stand up when government is wrong. For example, in January of this past year, 2021, one of the first things that our new president did was to institute a law that makes it illegal to distinguish between boys and girls in sports. When he did this, this this is what it means, that a person can determine if they are a boy participating in boys sports or they can be a boy identifying as a girl who determines to participate in girls sports. You say, what should we do there? We should just get all red hot and just blast out all these evil things. No, we should not. We should peacefully stand up. Dr. Al Mohler, the president of Southern Seminary, who I respect highly and know, he said this, I point you, church, to the conscience. This goes against everything the Bible says about divine design. Not only that. This this seared conscious decision denies women the right to participate as a woman in women's sports. You ought to stand up as a woman and say, that's wrong. I I stood up and said, listen to me, our president was wrong. And some of you, listen to me, wouldn't say he was wrong because you are a -a died-in-a-will political party. That's why we're in the mess. When President Trump and and the evil that he propagated. I'm going to tell you this. When this man goes off half-cocked and ignites the mess in our country, I stood up and said, he's wrong. No amens in the house. We need a statesman to rise up who's been born again, who says, maybe I'm not even either political party. Wouldn't it be refreshing for someone to just say, The Bible is leading me. I want to tell you that when spiritual awakening comes to the community, then we'll vote based upon biblical conscience. I want to tell you right now, this church is large enough to determine who will be the next mayor of our city. You are large enough to determine who will be. You say, well, tell me which candidate. That's your job. To decide that for you, say, I guarantee you, if they have not cut us off Facebook, today will be the day. So I want to say to you, watching us online, you need to switch over to live stream. Everybody, you watch us, you travel, switch over, start watching us on live stream. We pay for that. They cannot cut that off. This is going to come. You need to understand that some churches are already losing it now. You need to help me here. Start switching over, switching everybody else over. You just go online to our website, and you cook, It says "Watch there." You click on it, and it'll come up for you right there. It's going to happen. I to tell you. I've got it. It's going to. Today's message will do it. I promise for a period of time. So you say, Pastor? All right. I've I've had enough. No, no, no. Here, let's move on. I got got to make you a little bit more upset. Number question number six: Should there be a separation of church and state? Some of you, I just heard a yes in the room. Can I tell you? Can I ask you this? Where does it say that in the Bible? It does not say that in the Bible anywhere that there should be a separation of church and state. Our preamble to our Constitution actually says there will be no laws to restrict religion. It does not say the reverse. There are no laws that says religion cannot be involved. There does not need to be a separation of church, and that is the problem that we have in America now. Is that we say, well, let let the government do its thing, and, and we'll do our thing. And listen to me, without the church, there is no conscience. There is no conscience. And we, some of you say, but I was taught this in civics. Absolutely, so was I. I idolized my civics professor because I, I wanted to be at one time a history teacher. And I sat there and I was taking all of this thing until I went home and sat down with my mother and she opened the Bible. And she said, son... If the church has no voice at all in politics, eventually they will live as if the church does not exist and they will push the church out. Guess where we are 30-some years later. Our founding fathers never once intended for there to be a separation of church and state. Look at everything about our Constitution. Everything about our Constitution is based. Now, they were not correct in everything they did in their belief system. But everything that they did was based upon a biblical knowledge because there was a time when that, listen to me, that, that America said, God, tell us what to do. But that time is no longer. And so I'm going to tell you this. If you've ever been in another country and you asked that pastor, should there be a separation of church and state, they would all say no. We, we need to be involved in government. I can't travel without a passport and without a visa. And so I have to be involved. I have to be connected. So if what you say, there's a separation of church and state, that I should have nothing to do with, I shouldn't be paying taxes, I shouldn't be doing anything. So that's totally impossible. So you say, man, I need to think about the things you do. You say, why are they in Romans 13? It's because when your life is transformed, remember this now, when Christ becomes Lord, He's Lord of all your world. The next question is this. This is easier. Should we pay taxes? Those of you watching online, that was as weak of a yes as I've ever heard. <clears throat> we are to pay taxes. The purpose of government can only be fulfilled when, when we pay tax. We scream for more policemen. Pay your taxes. We scream for better roads. Pay your taxes. We scream for all these processes. Pay your taxes. I want to say this. We don't need more welfare. We need more churches to do what's right. And for us to take care of our business, and in this church, we take care of our business. We are feeding people all the time. We're caring for people all the time. There are times we pay someone's house payment. We pay their car payment when they're genuine. Now, if they're deadbeats and loafers, we don't do it when people get in a tough spot, it's our responsibility. I don't call our mayor and say, I got so-and-so in our church, their house just burnt, what can you do? I I don't do that. If I've got clothes in my house, if I've got two suits and a man's a pastor and needs one, I give him the best one. I don't give him the worst one. I don't give him my leftovers. I give him my best because my God taught me to be a generous giver. You're in a church that gives all over the world. We are ministering literally all over the world. See, revenue to whom revenue is due. This is not only our taxes that you pay to the government, but you don't need to be doing money under the table. No amen there again. Some of you work for straight cash and say, I just believe in straight cash. Is that the system that we're to be obedient to? I know, I had my own business, and the first year when we got through with our business, it was struggling, and, and we went before the, our, our tax person, our CPA, Miss Marcy, and I can never, the guy was lost, we only used him that year, and, and when we got finished, he said, Keith, he said, if you keep doing it legally, you'll never make any money. And I looked at him, and my brother's like, I'm with, my brother wasn't saved at the time, I'm for that guy, but I want to tell you something, when you do it right, God pours out a blessing from heaven. And there's nothing anymore an affront to God for somebody to sit and waste all the revenue that God puts in their life. If you'll do it correctly, the system is as such is that you'll be proud. I am when I, listen to me, we ought to pay our policemen twice what we pay them now. And that's another message. But listen to this. Number eight, in what ways can we honor our leaders? In what ways can we honor our leaders? Verse seven says, respect to whom respect is due. When God places a new man as, or woman someday as president in this country, as long as I'm alive, I'll add them to my prayer list that day. I will respect them that day. I will not use the language that some people use because I am told by Scripture to give honor. To, you mean, the word here, honor, means this, to refrain from negative words and cutting and slander. 1 Timothy 2, 1-8 says, pray for all those who are in political office. Not pray against them. I pray that their hearts are open, their minds are just. I've been praying that for a long, long time through many presidencies. You see, some of you today are all up in arms because, listen to me, you think that what we need is a real hot rebellion. What we need is a real hot awakening. I'm praying for you and I that we would honor our leaders by praying for them. And listen to me, God can save them in an instant. But it may be that they're in churches where they're being led by people who are not saved. Say, all right, preacher, the next one is this. This is the hard one. In what ways has God altered your views? Probably knowing most of you, nothing in this service. But it could. Now, listen to me. If someone comes to church and they have a belief system that's not biblical and they are in open sin, I, I, you, those of you that know me know this very true. I, I am a purist in the Word of God. We will stand on the Word of God. And we will love and care and work. I mean, this, con- this conference we just came through, much of the conference was about how that we biblically handle transgenderism and all these other things. We will handle these correctly, but they are something that we have to do exactly what the Bible says. And I gave them to you early on. God demands our loyalty to speak to what He speaks to. See, I think that some of us need to just get back to the truth, the truth of what God's Word says. Now, I hope this stirs conversation, but I also hope it does this. I hope that it causes you maybe to go back to somebody and say, I'm sorry. I do. I hope that some of you this week will be strong enough in your faith To come back to a place and say, you know, I've grown up in Christ. And as I've grown up in Christ, I've realized that I'm in progression too. I hope that you don't let this divide you. You say, preacher, what a time to deliver such a word. Absolutely. Isn't God good? Because the last thing is this. It's the question, will you change? Mm. Will you change? Because once this election is over now, the midterms election is going to go over. You know what? I'm just going to say this, Brother Danny, that, that God's in charge and he'll have who he's in charge. And whoever's in charge, I'm going to work with. And sometimes I work with them by believing differently than they believe. Be loyal to God. Love him. Be loyal to God. Love him. Love him with all of your heart. And listen to this. Love all people and respect all people. Let me see if I can get an amen. Jesus (laughs) saved. Right here. Do you? Come on now. Active love is how you treat them. It's how you treat them. Also this, I will repent where I've sinned. I will leverage everything for the sake of... Of the souls of all people. Will you help me to leverage that fiery one on either side? Because you know they need Jesus, don't they? Paul would stand before Caesar. He would go to Rome in chains. The scripture doesn't record it, but I suspect he probably said the same thing he said to King Agrippa I would that you would be as I am, except in these chains. I would for President Biden, President Trump, and for every congressman and congress lady and senator, that they would be as I am, except not as a pastor, but as a politician, that they'd know Jesus. That is what we need to change the world. Thank you for taking the time to find God's answers to life's greatest issues. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.